one 990 is the number. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Back with another edition of the Insurance and Injury Law Show. James, Savan, you guys both ready to roll. Uh, Savan, get us started, pal. What's going on? Well, John, it's been a very, very busy week. And let me start off by uh, telling you that I've been talking with uh, a friend of mine who's uh, in the insurance industry. And I have it on good authority from that person that apparently uh, a lot of people in the insurance industry on the insurance side of things are actually listening to this show. And uh, some of them are not all too happy with what uh, we talk about That's on the show. But if they're listening, we should you know, at least say hello. We right. should. Get yes, your learn on. That's right. That's right. Uh, so, and, and, you know, that's a good thing. And it makes me actually quite happy that they're not happy because it's very, very important that the information that we talk about, about long-term disability claims and the rights of injured individuals in Ontario uh, is out there mm-hmm. and that people get the right information and that they know what their legal options are. Uh, so with that, let me just uh, jump right into uh, an email that I had received from an individual who uh, was just cut off long-term disability. This person is 53 years old. Uh, he has uh, diabetes, and uh, he has a very, very stressful um, uh, position. Uh, he, he works with aircrafts. I'm not going to uh, go too much into it, but I'll tell you, he makes uh, a pretty decent uh, uh, salary. And he submitted an application for short-term disability back uh, in March of 2018, so just uh, a few weeks ago, and he already got denied. And, you know, the email that I received from him, uh, he's concerned about contacting us because apparently the appeal letter or, or the letter, the denial letter that he got contains language that says that he has only until March 22nd to appeal. Uh, when, when I got this email, that was the very next day. Mm. And so he was concerned that by us getting involved and not being able to take the right steps at the right time, uh, then his right for compensation gonna for getting the ex- he's going to miss yeah. the boat exactly, and this is something that's very important for people to understand. When an insurance company writes to you and tells you you have until this and this date to appeal, you can ignore that. That date doesn't matter at all. The only date that matters is that two-year mark mm-hmm. from the first time that, we, that you were denied benefits, short-term disability or long-term disability. So very important to understand that when you are uh, told you can appeal a decision. And they give you that deadline, which may be in a week or two weeks or three weeks. They are trying to pressure you to either walk away or to appeal that decision. And you know our thoughts about appeals. They're, you know, for the most part, useless. Uh, When you appeal a decision, a, a denial or a cutoff, you're essentially leaving the decision in the insurance company's hands. And you know what happened last time you did that. They denied your claim. So don't worry about those deadlines, those appeal deadlines. Give us a call or email us. Let us look at the documentation and tell you what your legal rights are. And, and I'll tell you, in this case, we can help this gentleman, and it's gonna—it's not going to be through an appeal process. It's going to be through a legal claim, and we're going to make sure that he gets exactly what he's owed under the policy. I mean, the bad thing is, and James, I know you've said this before when it comes to those deadlines, that they keep throwing you appeal after appeal after appeal. Eventually, yes, you will go past two years, then you're done. Sure. Uh, all they yeah. want to do is keep you in their system that right. they control. And as long as they keep telling you, well, you've got one more chance, they give you this false hope, but that's all it is. It's false hope. And so, you know, if they say that you only have until this date to appeal, guess what? If you appeal a week or two later, they're almost certainly going to say, okay, you know what? We'll accept your appeal. We'll be reasonable. We'll accept your appeal. And then guess what? Four weeks, five weeks later, your appeal is denied. But 
if you want to peel it again, we'd be happy to do so as long as you do so within however many days they right. arbitrarily decide to say that time. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. The number help at theinsurancelawyer dot ca. What else you got going on, pal? Well, let's talk about another long term disability case. This one is an individual who contacted us because he's been on LTD for three years, and and that's important. I'm stressing three years because we've talked a lot about that two year mark when you are yep. on long term disability. Right, the first two years you have to show that you can't do your job, and then there there is that transition period, uh, that transition date, that two year mark where to qualify for LTD beyond that date, you have to show that you can't, uh, that you're unable to do any job for which you're, you're uh, trained for or have education or have experience, experience in. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, in this case, this gentleman uh, is, is being cut off. He was uh, on LTD for three years. He had a left shoulder injury. Uh, then uh, he had a right shoulder injury. He's got anxiety, depression. He has a whole slew of doctors supporting him being off work. Family doctors, psychiatrists, surgeon. He's 51 years old, and he's a truck mechanic. And, of course, he's asking, what can I do? Well, here's the good thing here. Uh, He's been told that he's going to be cut off on April 6th. When he contacted us about a week ago, uh, that's, of course, before April 6th. So we can actually jump into the picture and try and contact the adjuster ahead of that and try and see if we can avoid the cutoff. In other words, pressure the adjuster to back off that decision to cut him off. And sometimes we do that and sometimes we're successful in doing that. In the event that we're not, we are setting it up so that we can actually help this person immediately if that person is cut off. And by the way, sometimes we take the position just immediately that by the insurance company taking that unreasonable position of cutting the person off benefits, uh, that from our standpoint, they have now breached the contract and we can start uh, the legal claim now. Now, let me circle back to that three-year mark. If he was on LTD for three years, it means he passed that two-year mark. Mm -hmm. So what's changed now three years later? Clearly, they've agreed that he can't, do, he can't do any other job for which he's trained for, has experience or education. So what has changed? And oftentimes I see these kinds of cases where the insurance company has cut the person off after that change of definition date. In other words, they've had you know, buyer's remorse, so to speak, right? right? They come back and say, no, we think that actually you don't meet the definition, but we thought that you did for the last year or the last two years. I love those kinds of cases. And those are the kinds of cases where when we start the legal claim, the insurance company, the new adjuster that's assigned to the file, and the defense lawyer run really quickly to try and resolve the claim with us because they know what's going to happen at the end of the day. They're going to get hit with a huge award from a judge, and they, they just don't want to see that. We'll take a short break. Lots more to go. Just getting warmed up. It is one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And you haven't checked it out yet. Find out what the pain and suffering component of a claim should be. The right number injurycalculator.ca as well. It's the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Global News Radio six forty Toronto. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. The number anytime. If you haven't checked it out, injurycalculator.ca. You want to email Savan James, member of the team. It is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca as well. Pick it up where we left off. One more case I want to talk about, John, and uh, this one comes from the Ottawa area. This individual contacted us last week, uh, and one of the things he told us is that all the documents he has uh, are in French. Uh, he was on long-term disability for extreme depression and anxiety. He has a family doctor, psychologist, and a psychiatrist, all of who are supporting his LTD application or or him being on LTD. Uh, And uh, he he was denied LTD in April of last year, in 2000, sorry, not last year, in April of 2016. Okay, so Uh, we are now getting to the almost two-year mark. 
So first of all, he said his documents are in French. One thing I want to make sure people uh, who are listening to this show in the Ottawa area uh, and generally anywhere really where uh, you know you are dealing in French. We do have French-speaking lawyers who are fluent in French. Very, very important. We're not going to be uh, looking for uh, you know to translate documents. We can actually deal with the source material. In French. Nice. Now, with respect to the LTD, again, this person was cut off April 2016. We are now nearing the two-year mark. Uh-huh. So if we don't start a legal claim, and from what I understand, from what I've reviewed, his claim is actually very strong given the support from the psychologist, psychiatrist, family doctor. We have to start a legal claim now. He tried to appeal his decision, and of course, as we know, these appeals for the most part don't work, and that's what happened here. Uh, his appeal was denied, and it was denied actually back in June of 2016. But again, this person didn't give up, tried to continue challenging the decision from the insurance company. Luckily, luckily, he contacted us before that two-year mark because, John, if he would have missed that two-year mark, done. he's done. I mean, it's it's very, very difficult to make the argument that your claim should exist if you have not started it within those two years. So very important people out there to know, if, if you are even thinking about appealing a decision, an LT deci- uh, decision, contrary to our advice, just make sure that you don't miss that two-year limitation mark, not for appealing, but for starting a legal claim. one 990 is the number. Help at for emails as well. So what happens is the company who pays you or denies you, for that matter, LTD, is your employer. What happens then? Well, that's not unusual. It it happens from time to time. And typically speaking, it's going to play out more or less the same as if the person who's paying is the insurance company as opposed to your employer. There are, you know, a few small differences that you need to be aware of um, that we need to consider. So usually when this happens, we're not dealing with a small employer. We're dealing with a larger company. Small employers don't pay insurance benefits themselves. There's too much risk in that. But a very large employer might be willing to do that and save a few bucks. But typically when that happens, they're not basing it on their own analysis. What they do is they go out and they hire another company, usually an insurance company, to administer their policy. So the, you know, let's say it's insurer X, whoever it is, you know, a common insurer who might otherwise issue disability policies, they're going to be contracted by the employer to accept all of the claims and to review the claims and to provide what they will refer to as an opinion as to whether or not the benefits should be approved or denied or cut off, what have you. Now, ultimately, based on the language of these um, agreements between the employers and insurance companies, the ultimate decision lies with the employer. But in practice, it almost never happens, you know, any way other than what's recommended. Right. Do this, so they do it. That's right. Right. They hire the insurance company to administer, and they, I've never seen them disagree with it. (laughs) Um, I'm sure it has happened somewhere sometime. But practically speaking, the insurance company is providing the opinion that's almost always relied on. And so when we look at these claims, you have to bring a claim against both the employer who's paying the benefit ultimately, as well as against the company, usually an insurance company, who's administering the policy. Um, The only other element that you really want to be aware of is because it's an employer and there is an ongoing employment relationship, you want to make sure that um, you're dealing with it um, in in a way that's respectful of the ongoing relationship. 
Now, that's not usually a big issue when you're talking about a very large corporation that is you know, big enough to handle paying out their own policies because they're going to have been on the other side of these before. They're not going to receive right. a claim and be offended that you know, you've brought a claim disputing a denial of disability benefits. They've seen it before. They'll see it again. But in any case, you want to, you know, if there's an issue that comes up from the employer side, um, you want to make sure that it's very clear that um, you know, you're not, um, you know, addressing any employment issues. And if there is any change in employment status as a result of having brought this claim, that's going to put the employer in a very bad position. And they know that. They know that. And more to the point, they know when they see Sinfira Tamarkin is on the other side that, you know, we're regarded as one of the leading employment firms in the country. And so when they see that, the large employers know who we are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're not going to mess around. They know that they can't play around with your employment status because you're disputing disability benefits. It doesn't matter that they've decided to pay the benefits. That shouldn't impact your employment relationship any more than if it was an insurance company that was paying them. It makes no difference at all. So ultimately, if you're listening and you have any concerns that it's your employer who's paying as opposed to an insurance company, don't worry about it. It is not an issue. It's something that we deal with all the time. More of your emails and questions coming right up, and we'll get to the injury calculator as soon as we come back as well. In the meantime, the number one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six and help at the insurance lawyer.ca. It's insurance and injury law show, Global News Radio, six forty Toronto. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. Help at the insurance lawyer and injurycalculator.ca as well. Give me some details on that, Savannah. That's an online tool that uh, we've created a few uh, years back. It's been used literally thousands of times. And what it is, is it allows you, if you've been injured through no fault of your own, let's say it's a car accident or a slip and fall, uh, you were a cyclist, there was uh, hit by a car, something happened where you were injured, someone else was at fault, you want to know, does it make sense for me to start a legal claim for compensation? What does the law allow me to recover from my pain and suffering? And, you know, oftentimes you'd have to go and, and call a lawyer or you'd Google the information. And, of course, the information you'd get is uh, wrong. Uh, you know, this tool allows you to just within literally a matter of 10, 15 seconds figure out what is the range of pain and suffering damages. What is the value, the dollar value that you're looking at? Mm-hmm. And, and what we've done is we've looked at case law, cases from across the country, across Canada, where people suffered similar injuries to yours. And we've inputted that into this calculator, into this database. And by you uh, putting in a few key pieces of information, nothing that identifies you, right? Just tell us what's your injury, um, what's the severity of the injury, things like that. The calculator goes through that database, pulls out all the cases that are similar to yours in terms of type of injury, and then gives you that range at the end. And, and then at the end, if you want to contact us and figure out a little bit more, uh, talk to us about the other types of damages you could potentially be uh, owed, uh. such as income loss if you can't work or you have difficulty working or out-of-pocket expenses, medical rehabilitation expenses, you know, things that are very specific to your situation, we can have a conversation. If you don't want to do that, you can just you know, uh, close the browser and that's it. But that tool is fantastic. It'll take you literally 10, 15 seconds to use, uh, and it will give you that starting point, that range of damages for your pain and suffering that you can decide if you want to proceed with a claim. Injurycalculator.ca, again, is that uh, that website email is help at the insurance lawyer.ca. Jason writes in, says, my wife is 
very depressed and was diagnosed with a variety of illnesses over the years. We're both 36, have a young family. She applied for LTD through her work and was denied because of insufficient proof that she's disabled. She has a therapist, a doctor, and even a psychiatrist that she saw several times who, uh, who all say she has issues working. Can we challenge the insurer's denial? We're going to lose the house if we don't get money soon. My salary is just not enough, and we have two kids under five. That is a tough situation. Well, absolutely, we can challenge that. Yeah. There's no question about that. This is somebody who has not one, not two, but three treating practitioners that support uh, her claim that or her position that she can't return to work. And anytime you have a treating doctor, let alone three, that are saying you can't return to work, the insurance company has risk if they deny you. And if you challenge them on it, they know that they have risk. They know that there is a good chance that at the end of the day, they're going to have to pay. And when they have risk, they pay. So what do we do? We start a claim. Um, And what we are known for in the industry is for moving cases very fast. Now, that doesn't mean that it's going to resolve in a week or a month. And it doesn't even mean that it will necessarily resolve in a year. But what it does mean is that we will give you the best chance Mm -hmm. to get to a resolution as soon as possible. Often that takes often that takes less than a year. I had a case that came in um, quite recently. It was October, I believe, October first, that this lady came to see me. It was a disability denial, and I think it was February first. We had a mediation. Four months. We had a mediation that resolved. Nice. So I, I, now I'm not going to make a promise that that's going to happen for everybody. Um, that was pretty quick. But we get pretty quick results. That's the way it goes. So if we're able to do it, we will do it as quickly as possible. And that is always going to be our objective. You know, the one thing that I wanted to add here is, uh, you know, just to echo what James says in terms of how quickly we move claims through, uh, we do that simply by putting enough people on the claim. Yeah. So if, it, if it's my file, obviously I'm dealing with the claim, but I have a team behind me. James has the same uh, thing. He has a team behind him. And, and, you know, and we have people who are working on these teams who know what they're doing. So if we have 30 things that we need to do on your claim, if you only have two people doing them, then they have to do it, you know, in, in a cascade way, right? Yeah. Uh, one after the other. But if you have five, six, seven people you can pull to work on this claim to make sure that it's moving quickly, well, then the claim is going to move that much faster. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention, and again, goes to the point of timing, and especially in this case with Jason's situation, you know, his wife was denied. Oftentimes, when, you know, you're not denied from the outset, Oftentimes, when you are on LTD, the insurance company, if they're going to cut you off, they're going to tell you, they're going to give the heads up, we're going to cut you off in a few weeks, in a few months. I've seen it as long as almost a year in advance. Don't stake your head in the sand. Contact us immediately. And I've had cases, one comes to mind last year, a fairly significant case from Ottawa, where we resolved the claim through a mediation before that cutoff date. In other words, as soon as the insurance company said, we're going to cut this person off, in X amount of months, we started a claim almost immediately after we reviewed all the, mm-hmm. all the documents. Uh, and, and so, you know, our goal is to make sure that we minimize the amount of time that you don't have any money coming in. That's really the goal because we understand that you have bills to pay. You know, you have to put uh, uh, food on the table. Uh, you have to send, you know, your kids to activities or, you know, do stuff for school. So very, very important to understand that we understand that and we do everything in our power to make sure that whatever money you are owed, you get as quickly as possible. Plus, you guys have across the hallway the the uh, employment side. They don't have to go down the street to another lawyer, which saves a 
you know what load of time, right? That's very it's true. It's really beneficial. No, it's very true, absolutely. And again, this touches on a lot of points we've talked about before in other shows, that oftentimes people who have disability issues also have employment issues. And again, yep. that cuts down on the delay because we're all in the same area, right? The employment lawyers talk to the disability lawyers, and some of the disability lawyers are the employment lawyers, right? I mean, we all do the same kind of thing, and we, ho- we all have expertise in these areas. And again, it maximizes what we can get for our clients and minimizes the amount of time uh, that uh, we can get that for our clients. Fightformyltd.com, what's the deal with that? So that's another online uh, tool that we've created, which allows people who don't want to call us or don't want to email a lawyer, just don't want to contact a lawyer, they just want to know, do I have a case? If you go onto that website, you'll see on the right side of the screen a button there that allows you to uh, you know, click on it, and then mm-hmm. you'll get five questions, very simple questions about your case. And as long as you input the, the information there, and it's going to take you again about 10 seconds and click, uh, click submit, we can tell you fairly quickly within minutes if you Very have cool. a case against your insurance company. Sometimes we'll ask you for some more clarification, right? Every case is, is, uh, has to be judged on its own merits and facts. But generally speaking, those five questions will allow us to tell you really quickly uh, at no cost and, and almost in real time whether or not you have a case against your LTD insurer. Fightformyltd.com is that website. The number one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. Back to your questions and emails after a quick break here. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio, six forty Toronto. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca for email. You guys must uh, come across this all the time. I mean, look at Jason. In the last email we're talking to people that are in dire straits. They got no money coming in. Terrible circumstances, but unlike a car accident or slip and fall where you can't do anything to help unless a person has been injured, can you help people with LTD claims before they're cut off? How does that work? Absolutely. So this raises two different scenarios to mind. One is what Svan was just talking about, where your insurance company has told you that they are going to cut you off at a certain point in time. And so as we were just discussing on the show, when they tell you that, when they say you're going to be cut off at this date, we can bring a claim then and there. Mm. The, the claim has crystallized at that point. So we don't have to wait even a minute. Now, the other scenario is kind of relies on you to uh, you know have a sense of what's going on. But I find more often than not, when people call me, they're right. So I'm talking about someone who has a feeling they're about to be Their cut off. Their spidey sense is going off. Exactly. They know what's coming down. Exactly. Yeah. You know, they're, they're being asked to, you know, yeah. see different um, assessors. Um, they're, you know, being told things in particular language by their adjusters. And they have a feeling they know that it's coming. Yeah. Um, and so they call us and they want... Uh, they want to know if we can help. So in that scenario, if they haven't actually cut you off and they haven't said definitively that they're going to, well, we can't bring a claim at that point. But certainly we can talk about what you can do to put yourself in the best situation. Now, there are you know a, a zillion different variables that could be at play here. So mm-hmm. I, I can't really address every possible way that you might get the sense that you're about to be cut off unless you call me. You give us a call and we can talk about what exactly is happening that leads you to think. You could be at the ready, right? And, And that's exactly right. And we're happy to do that. There's absolutely no charge. There's no obligation if you do it. And so you understand the reason why that's the way. I mean, it is out of self-interest. What our hope is, is that we can help you. But if we can't, 
if you were not able to avoid you getting cut off, then we hope that having spoken with us, that you'll be comfortable enough with us that mm. if we do need to start a claim, that we're going to be the ones that you called. Um, so that's why we're doing it. There's no mystery there. But the point of this all is that you have no risk in calling us. All you're going to get out of it is information. And if you feel comfortable and you need us in the future, we're there for you. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. Again, help at the insurance lawyer dot say bounce over to Claire. Writes in says my sister was denied LTD several times in the past year because her insurer doesn't agree with her psychiatrist who says that she suffers from severe depression and agoraphobia. I spoke with her psychiatrist who said that even she uh, that she even explained the condition to the adjuster on the phone, but they still don't want to approve my sister's claim. Can you help? What does she do now? Well, the first thing I think we should address here. Um, Claire, your sister hasn't been denied three times. She's been denied once, Mm -hmm. and then almost certainly she's then gone and appealed a couple of times, and then they've denied the appeal. And that's an important distinction to make, because as we talk about on this show every week, um, number one, the appeals are generally useless, and number two, the clock has been running. And it's been running since the first denial letter when they said that they're not going to pay the benefits. Everything that happens afterwards is irrelevant. Yeah, your appeal doesn't reset the clock. Some people might think that, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, the, you know, the other thing I think we really need to hit on here is that she's got a treating psychiatrist that has diagnosed severe depression. Um, in that kind of situation, we can certainly help. And we're talking about not just severe depression, severe depression and agoraphobia. So usually, you know, when I'm hearing about details of a claim, I really want to know where in the claims process we are. And we talk sometimes about the two-year mark, the change of definition, where the definition changes from whether you can return to the job that you had versus whether you can return to any job. In this case, It almost doesn't matter because if you're suffering from severe depression and agoraphobia, you can't work. You can't. Now, these things lie on a continuum. And so, you know, certainly I would want to take a look at her doctor's notes and make sure that um, it's documented as Claire is suggesting it is with her sister's case. But if that holds up, if that's what's in the records, um, whether it's before or after the change of definition, if you are suffering from severe depression and agoraphobia, what job can you do? What is it doesn't mean you're never going to be able to work. You know, there is treatment and hopefully it'll be effective. But if that's what you're suffering from right now, I can't see any argument that the insurance company is going to be able to successfully make that will allow them to hold that position if it were to go to court. So, you know, you're talking about physicians and uh, do you speak directly with treating doctors? I mean, when you handle claims, is it appropriate? Can you do that? First of all, I think that it's absolutely appropriate. Uh, what I never do is I never tell the doctors what to write or what to say. In fact, I always preface whatever I, you know, the beginning of a conversation with them is, is by saying, listen, I, I'm just going to be asking you a few questions. Oh. Thank you for your time. Um, you know, you're trying to help your patient. I'm trying to help my client. We, you know, our interests are aligned, but I want to make sure that the answers you give me are your opinion and your opinion only. Uh, and, and, and so, you know, I will oftentimes get in touch with them and ask them by phone. I've also actually gone to their offices sometimes whenever that's been appropriate just to go over uh, some more complex issues when I've had clients that have had more, uh, you know, difficult type of conditions that I really had to understand so that they can explain it to me. And usually that's done primarily with specialists, right. you know, uh, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I will tell you this. Typically, when somebody contacts us uh, with a long-term disability claim, when they've been denied or cut off, they will come to us with reports that they already have uh, obtained from their doctors, family doctor or other 
practitioners yep. that they're seeing. And so sometimes it's about us getting clarification on some of the points that were made in those reports. Sometimes those doctors, you know, are really um, writing blind. You know, they don't really understand what it is that the insurance company is asking from them. Sometimes I found that insurance companies themselves follow up with the doctors, but follow up in a way that isn't appropriate, that's perhaps leading the doctor to a conclusion that they should not be leading to a doctor. And I'm telling you that because I've had situations with doctors who after the fact have come to me after I was retained and told me, you know, when I spoke with that adjuster, he was asking all these questions. And when I understood what he was trying to elicit from me, you know, I had a very visceral reaction because, no, I think my client was unable to work because of that condition. But the adjuster was trying to minimize the the, uh, impairment that my patient was experiencing. So, you know, the short answer is absolutely we do get in touch with doctors. Uh, but again, it's it's on a fact. Uh, you know, it, it's 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 very fact specific. Sure. It's, it's on a case by case basis. The the thing I would add to that, I agree with everything that Savan just said. But it's not always going to be the case that we have to get in touch with the doctors any more than to just ask for their file. That we are going to do on every case. We're going to ask for their file. In some cases, if the file is very complete, the records are good, and there are reports in there that address whether or not the patient is able to return to work, mm-hmm. we don't have to go any further. And we're not going to waste your doctor's time if we don't have to. We don't have any interest in wasting our time or sure. theirs. But where we do have to, absolutely. There's nothing inappropriate about it, and we're always respectful of their time and their relationship with our clients. And so we you know, try and minimize any, uh, any role that they have to play until it's necessary. And when we have to, it's usually not an issue at all. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. That number you keep on. You call any time. Help at the insurance lawyer.ca. Email is exactly where we're going to go after a short break. The insurance and injury law show. Global News Radio six forty Toronto. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. That number and injurycalculator.ca. If you want to find out what the pain and suffering component of a claim should be, that is where you want to go. Injury calculator. .ca Janice writes in, says, My uh, father was in an accident less than a year ago, and he tore his right shoulder. He is 56 and works at construction. His long-term disability insurer denied his claim because they say that he can go back to work part-time, which the surgeon is absolutely against right now. Should he appeal the denial? Absolutely not. And Janice, thank you very much for looking out for your father and emailing us. And I can tell you that we would love to speak with your father and look at some of the documentation and reports that the surgeon has written. I can't imagine, I can't fathom a situation where you have someone at that age who works that kind of a physical job, a very, very tough job, who had an injury like a a, a, a torn right uh, uh, shoulder. And, and the adjuster thinks, or the insurance company thinks, that he can actually go back to work. I mean, that is just insane to me. Yeah, you might need that shoulder. No, sir, m- maybe they think that he can. <laughs> maybe maybe they think that he can go and and I don't know, do something that is uh, sedentary, right? right? Something that does not require him to 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 use his arms in the same capacity as before. Uh, I've had that argument thrown at me, but again, that's an argument for that two year mark. Right, where where you're asking whether or not the person can do any job for which right. they're suited for, uh, not in a situation like this where the question is, can he do his own job? And if his job is in construction, then it's most likely that he's not going to be able to do that job, and therefore he's going to satisfy the test of total disability at the very least for two years. And so, what uh, Janice, what your father should do is is he should allow us to start a legal claim. Again, don't appeal these kinds of denials. By appealing these denials, you are keeping the power uh, of uh, the decision-making power in the hands of the insurance company. 
by coming to us and letting us then start a legal claim, we are taking that power out of the insurance company's hands. How? Because we're putting it now in the legal process. And, and you know, by, by taking it out of their hands, uh, we are now creating a situation where there is pressure on them. There is exposure on them because now they're going to have to have a defense lawyer involved. And that person is costing them money. And insurance companies are not in the business of expending money on claims, right? They're trying to limit their exposure. So as soon as we start the legal process and they have a defense lawyer, now we're talking, you know, the same language. And that's why oftentimes in these kinds of claims, in fact, in most of these times, uh, most of these situations, we end up going to a mediation and resolving the dispute. And again, you know, very, very important to understand that oftentimes when people come to us, John, they know, they have a gut sense that they've been wronged. So if in, you're in that situation, don't simply assume that because the insurance company wrote you this letter on fancy letterhead and, and, you know, you see this letterhead and you think, oh, my God, it's me against this billion-dollar company. I can't do anything. That is simply not the case. That's the game that they're playing to dissuade you from enforcing your legal rights. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. That number anytime. So should people generally be documenting their conversations with their adjusters in writing, not just you know have it craft proof, right? Absolutely. Oh. And this is one of my favorite techniques. And I, you know, I, I give this advice to virtually all of my disability clients. Um, as much as possible, you want all communication to be in writing. Now, you're not always going to have complete control over that. If your adjuster calls you on the phone, they've taken the ability to start that communication and writing away from you. But that doesn't mean that there's nothing you can do. So before we go any further on this, think about what the adjuster's role is, what their mandate is. The adjuster who is handling your file, their job is to pay out as few benefits as, as possible. Yeah. They want to cut you off. They go about it in different ways. Some of them are going to be bullies and some of them are going to act like they're your best friend. But either way, their objective is the same. They are trying to get whatever information that they can in order to cut you off, to convince you to either return to work or to not challenge their decision yeah. to cut off your benefits. That's all they're doing. Some of them go about it one way. Some of them go about another. Doesn't really matter. What you want to make sure is that when they are telling you whatever they're saying, you have it documented. So if they email you, no problem. You've got it there in writing. But often they won't. Often they will call you and they will say things that are sometimes quite misleading. Um, for example, I've had clients tell me that their adjuster has told them that they have to go back to work. That is never true. Now, it may be the case that the insurance company is taking the position that you're not entitled to benefits. They can take that position, but that does not mean you have to go back to work. You still have agency. You are still allowed to make your own life decisions. And when you have a doctor, your own treating doctor, who's telling you, you can't go back to work, then don't do it, regardless of what they say. Now, if they have told you that you have to go back to work, that's just wrong. What they can tell you is that if you don't go back to work, you're not gonna get any money from the insurer or from your employer. That may well be true. But if they say something to you, what you wanna make sure you do is you document it in writing. So what do you do? Your adjuster calls you. The first thing you do is say, hold on for one minute. I'm just gonna get a pen and paper. You want them to know that they that you are recording what they are saying. You don't want to make a secret out of it because they're going to be a whole lot more careful in what they say to you if they know that you're going to be using it against them in the future. And whether you're you know on the computer or pen and paper, it doesn't really matter. When the conversation is over, you summarize whatever it is that the adjuster has said to you and you send them an email just confirming that this is what the substance of the conversation was. You don't have to send them your notes, just this is what the substance was. You said this, you said this, nice. A, B, and C. 
When you do that, the adjuster has two choices. Either they can do nothing, in which case they are going to be uh, deemed to have accepted what you have said they said. So whatever it is that you've put in that email, if they don't respond to it, they're stuck with it. Silence is acceptance. Exactly. Yeah. Number two, they can dispute it, in which case they're moving off whatever they said to you on the phone. So if on the phone they said to you, you have to go back to work, and you put that back to them, then they may well say, oh, no, I never said you have to go back to work. What I said is, you know, we will cut off your benefits if you don't. And fine. So be it. Now you have that in writing. Nice. Which is still a better position to be in. So absolutely, it's a great technique when you're adjuster calls you, let them know that you're writing it down, send them an email confirming what you James the Terminator. There you go. I like this stuff. We'll take a, a short one, one 9646 More of your emails coming right up here. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. 1-888-990-9646 is the number. Email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to one or two as our uh, time here dwindles down. Don is next up, says, I've been in the auto industry for 28 years. And about two years ago, I had open heart surgery, and my doctor told me to stay off work. I subsequently had complications from the surgery and suffered a stroke. I'm 52, and I was earning 125 k a year. My long-term disability insurer approved me, but they say now that I'll be cut off in August. They say I can do other work, uh, which is not true. What are my options? So this is interesting. So, Don, you're saying that the LTD insurer approved you but now they're telling you you're going to get cut off. Okay, so this is, first of all, not unusual. You have three options. The first option is do nothing and simply hope that perhaps they will change their minds, which is not going to happen. I can tell you that. The second option is that even though they haven't cut you off yet, in that letter that, that states that they're going to cut you off in August, there's going to be a paragraph somewhere at the bottom uh, that says that you can appeal that decision Again, I don't suggest you do that. We've talked enough about appeals. Uh, both James and I loathe the concept, and we loathe it because it, it, it's it's there really as far as we're concerned uh, to, to, to wear you down, okay? The third option is the best option, which is what you've done, which is contact us. Why? Because now we can actually review your entire file. We can look at the letter. We can look at the uh, uh, the, the, the medical documentation you have, and we can speak with you, and we can tell you if we think that you can start a legal claim now, which based on the information you've just given us, just in that quick email, we think you can. And what does that mean? We are now in March, okay? March, April. Uh, August is still a long way away. Remember that case that James mentioned, right? Not every case in, a, in, a, in, our, in our office settles within four months of us starting a legal claim. But you know what? Some settle even before then, and some settle a little bit after. Sure. So if we actually take action now, Don, against the insurance company and move your claim as fast as possible, uh, as fast as we can through the system, we may be able to reach a resolution, if not by August, then perhaps shortly after. Again, we don't know who we're dealing with exactly here, but I can tell you that you have good grounds, just based on what you've written us, to start a legal claim. So those are your three options. You know exactly what we think you should do. Now the question is, do you want to do it or yeah. do you want to simply, you know, again, like some people, stick their head in the sand or simply walk away from money that is clearly owed to you? one 9646 that number, Don. And, of course, you know the email, injurycalculator.ca as well. You'll find out what the pain and suffering component of your claim should be. So someone's on LTD. Uh, they feel they can go back to work, or at least try. Then they realize they can't. They're still disabled. Can they go back on LTD? And one of the insurers says, no, 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 no. You tried to go back. You came off. You ain't going back on. Most 
disability policies, um, in fact, virtually all of them, will have language in there that will allow you to attempt to return to work, and if you're not successful, to continue receiving your disability yeah. benefits without penalty. That's what the language in the policy will say. And it's in there for good reason. The insurance company wants you to try to go back to work. And so they don't want to discourage you from doing it by putting in language that says if you try, you're immediately cut off. They want you to try because if you try and you're successful, they don't have to pay you anymore. Big time. So it's to their, you know, it's certainly to their advantage to encourage you to attempt to go back to work. But that's in a perfect world. In a perfect world, you know, there would be no cost to trying to go back to work. And if you weren't successful, you'd continue on in the policy. Um, what we see, I, I won't say all the time, but not infrequently, um, is people will try and go back to work. They will give their best shot at it and they're not successful. And then they get an issue from their insurance company saying, well, you know, we, you, you know, passed this test or that test, which says that you're able right. to go back to work. And even though your attempt didn't work out, we're going to cut you off anyway. And they'll use that as ammunition against you to try and um, justify having cut you off. Yeah. Now, I am not saying to you that you shouldn't try and return to work. Not at all. If you feel like you might be successful and your doctor says, that's okay, you can give it a shot, it's not going to jeopardize your recovery if you try, then I think you should try. It should help your case. You right? should try. But all I'm saying to you is have open eyes about what the impact okay. might be. Even though your policy has language that should protect you, oftentimes insurance companies will try and use it against you. That doesn't mean don't give it a shot, but just be aware that that might mean that you're going to have to challenge them on a denial afterwards, which is fine. That is what we're here for. Right. But ideally, in a perfect world, you're going to recover enough that you're going to be able to return to work. And that's what everybody wants out of this. One point that I want to add to what James just said, and I agree with everything he said, is that some people who try to go back to work, uh, they often have to give their employer something that says that they are now okay to go back to work. And so they'll go to their doctor, especially their family doctor that they see all the time, and the doctor will write a note saying this person is now okay to go back to work. Be very careful of those kinds of notes. Be very careful of what your doctor, whether it's a specialist or your family doctor, actually puts down in writing. It's very important that the doctor actually stipulates that, no, it's not that uh, you, know, you are okay to go back to work, but that this is an attempt that they're hoping that perhaps you can go back to work. So the language is very important because I can tell you the insurance company down the road, if you are unable to continue working and you have to go back on the LTD policy, they're going to look at the doctor's records at the time when you were approved that attempt to go back, and they're going to seize on that language if the doctor said, oh, yeah, he's fine to go back or she's fine to go back. So be very, very careful of that. I've seen that abused by insurance companies many times. Good for another week, fellas. We'll uh, take it from there. The number is one 9646 If you haven't used it yet, injurycalculator.ca will tell you exactly what the pain and suffering component of your claim should be. And email, of course, anytime, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Till next time, the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.